But hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, a certified financial planner and founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. My wife and I, we were filling out our baby book for our daughter. She's going to be turning one here in a couple of months. That's crazy that she's gotten that old so quickly. Time just goes super fast. But the reason why... I was kind of taken aback by the baby book is that it made me think back to my own baby book. And when you fill out a baby book, either for a kid or a grandkid, something like that, I'm sure you've had this experience, is that one of the things that they have you do is that you fill out the prices of things today. Well, why would they do that? Because someday when they look back at the baby book, they will realize how much prices have gone up over the years. So I thought it would be interesting to do that for myself and go back. I couldn't find my baby book, but I, I found the website, if you go to 1970sflashback.com or whatever decade you happen to want to look at, but if you look at that website, it'll show you in 1975, that's when I was born, the cost of things back then. So I thought it was interesting looking at the cost of a new home back in 1975. It was about 42600 versus 199200 today, according to Google. The average household income back then was 11800 per year, now at 68700 Three. A first class stamp was 10 cents, now it's 55 cents. A gallon of gas, 57 cents, now it's 250. A dozen eggs, 77 cents, now a dollar 48. And a gallon of milk, a dollar 57 back then, now three dollars and 61 cents. A couple of other interesting data points looking at 1975 unemployment, it was 5.6%, and today 6.3%. Percent, Not a whole lot difference. But the inflation rate, holy cow, back then it was 14.1% versus today 1.81%. I think the reason why a lot of us don't pay attention to inflation is because it's a silent thief. It kind of creeps up on you over time, most of the time. Sometimes prices go way up and you notice but really, it's kind of a silent thief. When you look over the years, things just get more and more expensive. The reason why I think inflation is gaining a little bit more attention today is that there is a lot of spending going on. In fact, in the trillions of dollars, we've never done that before. And one of the fears of that is that with all of the deficit spending that we are doing, at least here in the United States right now, that that could cause a real inflation problem, causes inflation to take off. Because actually, inflation is not a unhealthy thing as long as it's kept in check. In fact, I think it's healthy from the standpoint that if you think about what inflation is, it's the prices of things going up over time. Well, naturally, as products and services, things get better as businesses figure out different ways of doing things. They realize, hey, we can charge more for that. And of course, the products and services that they're paying for as business owners, they know that they need to be able to raise prices over time to be able to keep up with their own cost increases. And so it kind of works out rather well. 
If you have hyperinflation, that would be like we had back in the 1970s, evidenced by the 14.1% inflation in 1975. Is that a good thing? Not necessarily. In fact, it can be a really bad thing if the inflation rate is going up much faster than what people's incomes are, then that can cause a real problem because what it means, effectively, inflation, if you don't have your income going up at at least that same rate as a business owner or as an individual or as a retiree, that means that your quality of life is actually going down a little bit each year, sometimes a lot each year, because you have a fixed income or a declining income compared to that inflation rate. One of the mandates of the Federal Reserve is to keep inflation in check, and that's what actually happened a few years later there after 1975. The Fed actually came in and said, hey, we're going to kill inflation effectively, and they raised interest rates way up. It actually caused the economy to slow way down, and it also caused inflation to go way down. Now, what about deflation? Is that a good thing? Well, on the surface, maybe it seems like it in that prices are actually going down. You think, oh, that's great. I can buy more stuff uh, with my dollar. Not necessarily. A deflation doesn't happen very often and typically only happens when the economy is in real trouble, like the Great Depression. I actually had deflation back then. And during other times, really the only kind of deflation that we see is very uh, small pockets of deflation and also just individual products sometimes get less expensive over time. And we can certainly think of examples of that. Personal computers, for example, have gotten a lot less expensive. The price of a Tesla is getting less and less expensive. There are certain things that actually will get less expensive over time as there's more and more supply. So not to get too wonky about economics today, this is not an economics lesson. It's just the reality that inflation is a real thing, and it's something that we need to pay attention to because we do rarely notice it on a day-to-day basis. That's why I call it the silent thief, because over time it does creep up on us. Now, the impact of us as individuals, if we're working, I think that what that means is that our personal income, we need to make sure that our earnings are at least keeping up with the rate of inflation so we don't see our own quality of life go backwards, because effectively, that's what would happen when you think about it. If the products and services that we're paying for, let's say they're going up by 2% per year, that's about where we're at right now. And historically, by the way, if we look over the last 100 years or so, it's about 3% a year on average that inflation is going up, meaning that we need our earnings to go up by at least 3% every year just to keep up and be able to buy the same stuff. Remember, we're not talking about different stuff. We're not talking about more stuff. We're just talking about being able to keep up with those cost increases as business owners. That's also important that you're able to raise the price of your products and services by at least the inflation rate each year or your own costs. Your business is going to be going backwards. But more importantly, I think the target for today really is thinking about retirement and thinking about planning for retirement or if you're already retired, it's really, really important to incorporate this into your own financial planning. In the olden days, we used to have a rule called the three-legged stool, and that was kind of planning for retirement. People would have a pension, they would have social security, and they would have some personal savings, and those would be the different things that they would be able to rely on for their retirement income. Now, when you think about it today, most people don't get company pensions anymore. That's gone away actually a long time ago. In most cases, people stopped getting company pensions. Social security is there, but I think a lot of people are skeptical about social security 
Security being there in the future for them. And certainly, if you talk to anybody who's drawing Social Security right now, they'll tell you that any increases they get are very, very small and usually get eaten up by the price of their Medicare insurance. And so what that has done is it's put a lot more pressure on us as individuals to make sure that we've got enough money saved, knowing that we really can't rely on those things like people in decades past could do. Also, one thing that is important to recognize is that when you think about people back in the 1970s or 1950s or 1930s, back then, people didn't live nearly as long. Life expectancies have gone up like crazy over the years. And what that means is that if people are retiring in their 50s or 60s or even 70s, they still have a long time to be able to plan for decades, in other words, of income that they need to be able to plan on. And over time, inflation will impact them as well. So why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because I think it's one area that a lot of people don't pay attention to because it's just a silent thief. It's something that kind of creeps up over time. And if we don't include this in our own plan, our own financial plan, then we're going to end up in trouble over time simply because either we're going to have to accept that our quality of life is going to go down every single year by the rate of inflation, or it means that we're going to be dipping into our principal and spending down our wealth as we get older. Now, you might say, well, so what? Uh, at some point, I'm going to die. I don't need to leave a huge amount of money to somebody. The trick is you don't know how long you're going to live, and neither do I. Um, if you live longer than you had originally planned, in other words, you could run out of money. And we know from various studies over the years that that is the greatest fear of retirees is running out of money in retirement. So certainly, we want to plan for this now or as soon as possible because you don't want to be somebody who is in their 70s, 80s, 90s running out of money or being afraid of that. That's actually more the problem, I think, is people being afraid of that. We don't want that kind of stress when we are in retirement and certainly past the point where we're earning money from an income. You could be like Warren Buffett, who's 90 years old, of course, and still works. A lot of people don't have that option or they don't want to be earning an income when they are 90 years old. So as financial planners, one of the things that we oftentimes use is the 4% rule. And what the 4% rule is that you can take up to 4% per year out of your investment portfolio and have a good probability of not running out of money. So the reason why 4% is there is that oftentimes people have a balanced portfolio and a balanced portfolio kind of looking at historical numbers, mixing between stocks and bonds of various types, that 7% seems to be a reasonable rate of return looking at long-term averages. That's for somebody who has reasonable risk tolerance. That's the jargon that we use, at least, that somebody has some risky assets like real estate and stocks as part of their portfolio. And so we think that we can get a 7% rate of return for that particular investor. So if we use 3%, remember we talked about 3% being the long-term inflation rate, that means that 3% plus 4% withdrawal equals 7%. That's why that math works. For somebody who said, you know what, I don't like taking any risk and I'm going to take a lot less risk, we'll get a lower rate of return. That means that that person may not be able to make the 4% rule work. In other words, if we use the same math, 4% and say that they're getting a 2% rate of return, that means that we're going backwards every year. Now, that's a race against the clock. And over time, that might end up working out for that person, but it's risky because it means that at some point, mathematically, we will run out of money. Unless you start with an awful lot of money, that math makes it tough to work. So if you said that, hey, well, I know that the long-term average on the stock market's 10% and I'm going to use the 4% rule, that means I've got 6% in between. Yeah, there's there's a bigger bump 
buffer in there. Certainly, a lot of people are not comfortable having 100% of their money in stocks, and 10% may not be a realistic rate of return to use for assumption purposes. So I would caution you on that. But yes, basically, you could make the math work out various ways, depending on how risky your portfolio was. But it is important to incorporate, especially if you're a more conservative investor. It's something to really think about to make sure that you've got a portfolio that not only will allow you to sleep at night, but also will allow you to make the math work for you and to make sure that you're not going to run out of money in your lifetime. Of course, we're talking about a diversified investment portfolio. We're not talking about you going up and buying one stock or one piece of investment property, but those are the sorts of investments that do have a chance, at least, about pacing inflation over time. Now, the reality is is that you probably will have a mix of investments that was custom designed either by you or by a financial planner that knows you really well and knows how much level of risk that you want to take. So the reality is that the investment portfolio that you have really needs to be custom designed for you. Either you spent the time or you hired a financial planner that worked with you to come up with that investment portfolio that would be appropriate for you and the level of risk that you want to take and also the level of return that you need is possible based off of that investment mix. Now, again, there's no guarantee as we're looking at historical numbers. The key is you need a plan that's going to at least have a good potential, at least it has a high probability of working out over time that will not only give you the rate of return that you need for this year, but for next year and the next year and the next year, because we know that you're going to need a little bit more each year. From a practical standpoint, do my clients call me up every year and say, hey, I need more money? No, it doesn't tend to happen that way. It tends to happen in fits and starts um, because inflation kind of creeps up on you. I'll find that over time, uh, maybe after several years, somebody says, hey, I need a little bit more money. Looks like you know this is more expensive. Property taxes have gone up, whatever that is. The reality is, is that people tend to do that over time. So the question to ask yourself today is, do I have a financial plan that's taken inflation into account? Again, if you think back to the consequence of not doing that, let's say that you did have a company pension and let's say that you had social security and let's say you just took your money, whatever savings you had, and you put it in the bank, put it in a CD or something like that. How much are CD is paying right now? Uh, not very much. <laughs> so inflation is low, but interest rates are also very, very low. So not a lot of return on that. The consequence is that fixed pension will be giving you a guaranteed income, guaranteed from your company, probably whoever you worked for, or the government, if you had a government pension, but that is a fixed pension. Almost no pension has a cost of living increase built into it, and so that is a fixed income that you will have for life, which sounds good, but again, every year, that's going to become worth a little bit less, and it's going to go a little bit less further than it did the year before. Social Security. Again, we talked about the fact that Social Security doesn't go up very much, and reports from all of my clients are that, yeah, it goes up a little bit, but basically the cost of Medicare kind of eats that up, so basically they don't get any increase. And then the savings that that person would have then saying in a CD, again, that's not outpacing inflation. That's actually a little bit less than inflation right now, and so that works out well if you have a short retirement Life expectancies have gone up like crazy over the years, and what that means is that if somebody has a retirement that's decades, now we really do have a situation that you're going to get either a lower quality of life every year, you're going to have to cut back a little bit because of inflation, or you're going to have to start dipping into your principal, and now we've got a race against the clock. That's kind of scary in my mind, because if you've got wealth that you're spending down every single year and you don't know how long you're going to live, that looks like a scary 
proposition. Ultimately, that's why we need to take inflation into account. It's important that you incorporate that into your own financial plan. And if you don't have a financial plan, if you don't have a retirement income plan that's been custom designed for you and been worked up to make sure that we've got a high probability of not running out of money, it's important to do that. Either hire somebody or do it yourself. But either way, it's important to have a plan that incorporates that silent thief, inflation. And remember, you know, money alone will not buy happiness. We know that. But there's been various studies that show up to about $75,000 per year of household income. Actually, money does buy happiness. At least that's what people are reporting in surveys. Because if you think about it, that's about the level of income that you would need to be able to cover your basics, to be able to make sure that you've got medical coverage, and to be able to feed yourself and to be able to pay for your utilities. It's getting more and more expensive every year because of that silent thief. So once we get to that $75,000 mark, those happiness studies kind of table off, and we find that more money doesn't necessarily buy happiness. Uh, Not having money will also not buy happiness, just to be clear. But it's important to think about all of this. When you're thinking about any financial planning topic, sometimes people get a little bit overwhelmed. They say, ah, you know what? Well, money doesn't buy happiness. And they kind of use that as an excuse. In other words, not to plan. It's important to do this, not only for yourself, but for your family. It's important from a financial security standpoint, Because most people's goal is to not run out of money. Most people don't like the idea of running out of money. But also, when we think about people's dreams, really, I think of that as financial freedom and the fact that we really want an income that we can't outlive, or at least we have a really high probability of not outliving that income, and to get to the point where work is optional. Warren Buffett works because he wants to right now, not because he has to at 90 years old. He's living life on his terms, and in fact, he still drives an old pickup and goes to McDonald's most is for his breakfast. So the idea of him living life on his terms is that. For other people, it may not be. It may be something completely different, but that's why this is so important that this is custom designed for you and, again, that you've taken inflation into account. With that, hey, thank you for being here today. Thank you for helping promote the Wiser Financial Advisor. Please let your friends and family know about the show. Also, make sure that you've subscribed on your favorite service. We're on most of them, Apple, Google, Spotify. And if you would please go ahead and share this this with as many people as you think would be helpful. This is not just about the show itself. This is about helping people. And that's why I got into this business, because I really am here to be able to serve not only my existing clients, but also the greater population. There's a lot of people out there that need to hear stuff like this. And when I talk to people who have accumulated wealth, it's almost 100% of the time they say, you know what, there was somebody, either their parent or probably a manager, a coworker, somebody early on in their career, they actually got them started thinking about money and thinking about getting good financial habits at an early age. So I want to make sure that we are one of those voices out there, certainly for anybody who needs to plan, hasn't maybe gotten this stuff incorporated into their own planning, or maybe it's just reinforcing some ideas that you already know that it's important to reincorporate into your own thinking and your own planning. I hope you have a wonderful week and God bless. For a list of sources used in preparation of this episode, please contact Josh Nelson at josh at keystonefinancial.com. The opinions voiced in this episode of the Wiser Financial Advisor with host Josh Nelson are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Investment advisory services offer three Keystone Financial Services, an SEC registered investment advisor.